0: Hey, it's Allie. And Ginny. And just a quick note that we're going to be mixing up the airing schedule a little bit for the next couple months. So probably through the end of March, we're going to be airing episodes every other week instead of every week.
1: And whenever we're about to jump back into our regular weekly airing, we'll give you another update.
0: Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hello, welcome to Once More With Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And we're back for we're back. a depressing season. Well, yes? no. yeah. Is that not yeah, the right way to start this out? For the great season. I don't season. think so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the right way to start it out. I okay. am nervous about this season, but I am still excited to watch it.
0: Okay, I I am in this. We are back for the really post-grown-up episode of Buffy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's only one thing that I'm dreading, and you and I both know what that is. Probably a lot of people know what that is. So the rest of it, I mean, is this my favorite season? No. Is this rewatch going to change my mind? I doubt it. But I'm still, yeah, if it weren't for just a very difficult conversation that I know we're going to have to have, I wouldn't be dreading this season, so... I'm excited about a lot of the stuff that's going to happen. Obviously, we're going to get to the episode that gave our podcast its name. So, yes. that alone is something to be excited about.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this episode, or sorry, this season really does grow on me every time I watch mm-hmm. it. So. I agree. I fully am expecting in a week by week analysis of it to really have my mind kind of blown a little bit. It's going to be a little disappointed agree, I, if that doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> I think I agree with you. And I, um, I mean, obviously we'll get there in a few minutes, but I actually did have some of those thoughts already in this first episode. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be perfect by any stretch, but I think I, we're going to be I'm interested to see if we're pleasantly surprised overall by the season.
0: Yeah, one episode
1: notwithstanding.
0: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, how how are you doing? Otherwise, <clears throat>
0: uh, I'm good. Let's see, we haven't we haven't really chatted. We have the, the holidays. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's you true. Know, it was a good holiday break, and a you yeah. know, the year turned <clears throat> over, and we're all still alive, so <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. It's been a good 2019 so far. Really quiet, which is nice. Mm. But Mine's
1: not as quiet as I wish it was, but just still good. <clears throat> well it's just because you have a new. I have two new. I have living. two important. I have two important <laughs> updates. <laughs> the first one, which we you and I have already been discussing, is that I got a cat, and I'm super super excited. <laughs> She's really cute. She's super sweet. She loves getting pet. So far, she has few bad habits, but. I'm trying to, like, meter my expectations about that, but we'll see. Uh, She hasn't scratched our furniture yet, so that's at least bodes well.
0: But that is not the worst habit she could have. Mm, What's the worst habit she could have? You haven't left her at home and gone away for the weekend yet.
1: (laughs) Oh, where she's going to, like, poop in our shoes or something? Yeah. I don't think she will. She's been really chill. Actually, what's most awkward so far is that she was being fostered by our neighbors, but, like, you know, we live in an apartment building, so they live literally live across the hall from us. And so she's been, especially the first couple nights, um, for a lot of reasons, she was trying to get back into their apartment. So it's like, it's a little tricky when we leave because she definitely tries to go to their apartment. And I've let her go out in the hall a few times to just like let her get that out of her system a little bit. But um, yeah, it's not like she's not trying to run away from us. She's specifically trying to go back to where she thinks she lives. So.
0: It's kind of sad, but... Or where she thinks her kittens are.
1: Yeah, that's why it's sad. (laughs) Yeah, she had kittens, and they had all the kittens, and they had to give those back, but we have her, so she's, you know, spent... Yeah. Especially the first night she was here, she was, like, looking in every corner and climbing everything to see if she... Like, if they were here somewhere. Oh, No. so was But her kittens are gonna do great. They were the cutest kittens I've ever seen. They were, like... And she was such a good mom. I don't know. She's, like... I mean, she's, like, high on the perfect cat.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>
1: yeah. So far.
0: You already sound like a pet owner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just saying, like, compared to some other cat, like, she hasn't, she's not, like, fight, I, I, I mean, I, I know that I'm saying these things and we haven't had it for that long. So, like, I fully expect to be, like, oh, yeah, and then this thing happened and so I have to take my words back a little bit. But she's, like, not, she doesn't really like, so far, getting on all the furniture. She doesn't like scratching things. She doesn't scratch us. She really, really likes people. So she, I mean, I think that's a big, some cats in my family are not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Some cats hate people. uh, So she's definitely not like that. And even today taking her to the vet was like really stressful, but she did a really good job. I had to take her on the subway and everything. And she did not enjoy being in the cat carrier. But other than that, she was like totally cool. And we got to the vet's office and she just like wandered around in the little, you know, the little examination room, but Anyway, that's not even what I meant to spend my time talking about. The second nice thing about my 2019 so far is that I got a great uh, Christmas gift from Allie. (laughs) And I am currently, I can smell a chicken recipe that's cooking in the other room. So for Christmas, Allie made me a a six-week-long meal plan. And it's great. And I love it already. And I'm making the meals already. So, yeah, I'm so I, excited. <laughs> Literally, I'm we're so cooking this. Like, like
0: that. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're cooking this like cur- uh, coconut curry chicken and it smells so oh, good. So I'm cool. like, oh my God, I can't wait to finish recording so I can go eat it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to have a busy year ahead of you. So, yeah. you know. And, and I know planning meals stresses you out and it's one of my favorite things in the world. So. Yeah. And,
1: <laughs> I enjoy it when I have the time, but it's often like the of all the chores I have to do, it's like, well, I can put that off because I know in a pinch I can do it really quickly and make kind of the same things over and over again. But when I don't when I don't have time, it's also like, oh, I have to eat that again. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, we're already off to a good start. Yay. So thank you. And also I'm bragging to everyone. <laughs>
0: Well, Jenny gave me a Lyft gift card for Christmas, which was exactly what I wanted.
1: <laughs> I had another thing that I bought you, and I was like, I'll just give her that.
0: <laughs> oh, and also a notepad that has Dawson oh, and yeah. crying on it, which yeah. <laughs> I left for like a solid minute when I opened it.
1: <laughs> I saw it, and I was like, Ali is definitely going to appreciate it. I know you told me you didn't want things, but that's like, that's a consumable thing. You know, you'll get through yeah. it, and it's also... No, I could take it that was... to the office and use it, and <laughs> exactly. also, I also
0: took my calendar to the office. Oh, good, um, yeah. It, People? It, really like like that one accordion calendar of like women in like different fashion looks from Mm -hmm. vintage eras and one of them I was looking at and I was like I swear Mrs. Maisel wore that dress in season two (laughs) (laughs) that's so
1: funny yeah I posted a picture of that at one point on um well anyway and a bunch of people were like oh that looks really cool I like it yeah I like it too I have have one at my desk too
0: Put Buffy next to it, you know? Aww, and yeah. Oh, I have She's... my Gremlins next to it. <laughs> oh, and I watched Gremlins. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, I'm happy was, for you. It was a movie.
1: <laughs> it was a movie. I mean, I assume that you know this, but Gremlins 2 is my favorite.
0: Yes, no, okay. I know that Gremlins okay, okay. I, like, I do not the one that you tell everybody to watch. No, no, no. Or well, don't tell them to watch. I'm but... not going to tell
1: anyone to yeah. watch it. <laughs> I'm certain you won't like it, but it is a very different. Is you know I can't get into it.
0: I, I don't want to start my one-hour lecture Gremlins. about
1: <laughs> Gremlins too, but it is a very different movie. Obviously, it's not it's not that different. They're similar, but it's it's better. Almost no, no one I mean, in the world it agrees was, with me.
0: <laughs> it was fine. It was just weird because you know it's produced by Steven Spielberg, and it is weird. Definitely an earlier movie of his, and it's just so weird. And you kind of see his experimental side.
1: <laughs> I mean, but he didn't direct it.
0: No, but right? I think no. he probably had a lot of creative input. Maybe. I don't know. It's mm, yeah. Maybe that's it's not mostly, true, but I just kind I, of was like,
1: I don't think he had bit. a lot of creative input in it. I do think he let it get made the way that it was. So based on everything that I've read, both of the gremlins movies are Joe Dante is the guy who directed an, the second one. And he wrote both of them and they're much more a Joe Dante brainchild than they are a Steven Spielberg one. Okay. I do think that a lot like I definitely think that everybody like tamped down some of Joe Dante's weirder inclinations in the first movie, which is why the second movie is like completely off the wall. Like it is the weirdest movie probably that's ever been made or at least certainly could be easily ranked in them. Um, But yeah. I, I think the Steven Spielberg was, like, a defender for him when they made that one. Like, he let him do a kind of zany, cartoony, weird movie. Um,
0: I guess the main thing is that I was watching this movie, and it was a bit surprising to me that it had even been made.
1: <laughs> it's crazy that it got made.
0: But a lot of movies
1: from the 80s are like that. Like, yeah. Oh, the 80s are just a freer, freer time where you could make a lower-budget movie, and you didn't have to, like, make money across the globe in order to, like, justify having made it
0: you know? The other everybody I- was on cocaine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's actually really
1: interesting about, well, not the only thing I'll, I'll close off with this point. If you didn't come up across this, while you were watching it gremlins is also notable because it's one of a couple movies that helped get the pg-13 rating created because that movie came out and it was rated pg and a lot of people took their kids to see it and it's not very scary at all but i think if you're a five-year-old and you're not expecting it it's pretty (laughs) terrifying so um a lot of people were very angry about it and then that, and I think Indiana, one of the Indiana Jones is the other one that came out where it was like people decided that we really needed something between PG and R. That's like, yeah. this is maybe not appropriate for small children, but it's also not like, yeah, not totally, totally inappropriate in adult.
0: Yeah, the violence anyway. is mostly off screen, but it's, it's heavily suggested and it would probably traumatize a small child.
1: Especially because they're kind of like small and they skitter and they hide. Like that's a pretty scary thing if you're not, yeah, yeah. if you're a little bit young.
0: Anyway. anyway, this is our episode of the Gremlins.
1: Podcast. I can honestly go on for a solid forty-five minutes. I will not.
0: We'll save that bonus episode for another day.
1: Yeah, I read um, a Reddit. Po- I read a Reddit post of the other day that was like. It was kind of like a what-if like hypothetical question, and the question was more or less like if you only had 10 minutes to prepare, what could you give a two-hour lecture about? And I sat there for a while being like, nothing, nothing. I don't know anything. I have no expertise. And eventually I landed on Gremlin. Not even Buffy?
0: Uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: <laughs> the thing I dedicated several hours a week to. It's a good point. You certainly right. talked
0: about it for more than two hours.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. You're right. I could do. I could probably do Buffy.
0: I'm hurt. That <laughs> didn't even occur to me. <laughs> well, Great. you can redeem yourself. And okay. why don't you talk about Buffy now?
1: <laughs> we prepare, I guess I prepare with more than 10 minutes a week. But you're right, that on the whole seven seasons, I could probably do a yeah. two-hour lecture. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, we are starting season six, and uh, we watched bar- part one of Bargaining. Um, so, I mean, this episode, as all the season openers, this is kind of resetting the stage, reminding us what happened. We know that Buffy died at the end of season five. So I think it is a good opportunity to say, like, why are you still making this show and what's going to happen? I think it was not a surprise to people that she came back because I know a lot of the advertising suggests, <laughs> suggest explicitly told us that she was going to live again. Um, <clears throat> so kind of like at the beginning of season three, you know, when Buffy leaves and hides to Anne, like the rest of the leaves and hides as Anne, the rest of the Scoobies have to kind of figure out how they're going to um, keep up the, the work of the Slayer without actually having the Slayer. And what's even more interesting than that is that they've even kind of taken it a step further where, you know, we know that they put up the tombstone, but other than that, it seems like they've actually gone out of their way to hide the fact that Buffy died from pretty much everyone, including her dad. The, her dad doesn't know, the school doesn't know, I think they really just don't want people immediately intruding on their life and all the things that are going on. So um, they've been heavily relying on the Buffy bot that Willow's restored and kind of reprogrammed. So instead of being Spike's creepy love toy, she is mostly just a surrogate for the Slayer. You know, she's not quite as powerful, but people still know what she looks like. And it seems to be doing the trick along with Willow's really now at this point formidable witch power so she can communicate telepathically with the Scoobies and they are kind of doing these much more sophisticated than in season three, at least, um, you know, patrols in the graveyards and such. But yeah, so um, I think the two main through lines to the beginning or to this episode, I mean to this and part two, but we'll get there next week, um, are that Willow and all of the Scoobies except for Don, Spike and Giles. So Willow, Tara, Xander, and Anya have decided that they're going to bring Buffy back from the dead um, with really crazy magic. Uh, so while they're planning and plotting for that, uh, that's you know that's kind of the reason that they're keeping the Buffy bot there because they think that eventually Buffy is going to come back and replace her and everything will be more or less as it was. And meanwhile, Uh, A random vampire gets in a fight with a Buffy bot and realizes that she's just a robot and that something has happened so that either the Slayer is dead or the Slayer hasn't been the Slayer for a long time. And he starts spreading that news around a demon biker gang bar. Uh, So they all decide to descend upon Sunnydale because they think now that they can have free reign of it. So, um, I mean, basically between those two things, the episode proceeds. Uh, the Buffy Bot does a pretty good job of standing in as Buffy at a parent teacher, teacher conference with Dawn. But other than that, I mean, the Buffy Bot is a really sad reminder that she's not the real thing. Um, and Willow has to go through some kind of particularly dark rituals and magics in order to pull off the um, revival of Buffy. And she does them. Um, of course, these two things come to a head. So while the Scoobies are performing the spell to bring Buffy back from the dead, they get interrupted by the Spiker King of demons. Um, so they are not quite sure if their spell worked because they don't quite get the chance to finish it. Um, but of course, by the end of the episode, we the viewers see Buffy, um, you know, kind of in a little CGI Buffy come back to life in, in her um, grave in the coffin. The one other thing that I skipped over is that also, in this episode, Giles has made the decision to leave Sunnydale and go back to England. I mean, presumably because he no longer has a Slayer to watch over, he doesn't want to continue living here and do this life. So he does leave, um, and he's not, he does not know what they've planned or what they do. The special
0: end. Ju- guest star, Giles. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, There's a lot. To unpack. I mean, it's a very straightforward premiere in some ways, but also... It's also not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the thing that really hit me immediately, because it happens in the actual opening scene, is that we really are confronted with Willow from the very first shot. You know, she's there. She's telling everyone what to do. She is the actually elected leader. You know, Xander, at one point, jokingly says, like, who made you the boss? And they're like, we all did. Remember when we voted and we decided she was the boss? And also you made her a plaque that said number one boss. (laughs) Um, But, you know, jokes aside, she's even more powerful than we've seen her be before. You know, like we saw her do the telepathy a little bit at the end of season five in the finale, but like, it's a, you know, it's nothing to, to sniff at. And the fact that she's there orchestrating everything immediately, I think is a really, in retrospect, it's a really obvious foreshadow for where the season is going, right?
0: Yeah, I think we could assume that, you know, Willow was one of the few successful elements in their fight against glory. And so she probably took a bit of a, Ego boost from that mm-hmm. of not doubting herself and her magic. And also, in the meantime, in the three months since, you know, they've been without Buffy. And so, her, both her use of the Buffy bot and, you know, ma- maintenance of the Buffy bot, right. and also, you know, that's where she's taking the, that's a good the point. initiative and the lead, but also, you know, probably filling in the gaps. Where the Buffy bot can't help with right. con- with with further magic, so right. she's probably had a lot of practice with pretty high level spells. That's good. That's a
1: great point. I never thought. I I never joined up the Buffy bot as part of that either. But you're right. I mean, essentially Willow is the new Slayer. I, not in the world because we, you know, because Faith is still around. But you know, in their group and in that dynamic, she is completely filling that role. And she's yeah. easily the most powerful person among them now that Buffy's gone.
0: Yeah, I mean, and she's obviously done some reading because, and, you know, none of this is that surprising. Buffy it's was not. Willow's best friend, yeah. you know. Also, we see clearly, thankfully, it, they kind of break it down as to why they are all thinking that bringing Buffy back is different from when Dawn tried to bring Joyce back. Like, right. why I agree. Or even the reanimation of bodies that we've seen in the past mm-hmm. on the show that this is different, and, you know, the very clear line being drawn between a natural death or even a human-caused death, you know, such as a gunshot or something, and... Um, a
1: mystical death.
0: Exactly. So Buffy being killed by mystical energy. And also they have a very real fear that they've lost Buffy to some hell dimension similar to where Angel was. Right. Because the only other person they know that was killed by mystical means was Angel. Right. And he got sent to hell. So I, they have no reason to not suspect that. I mean, they have no reason to think because of where and how Buffy died that she didn't just get sucked into whatever dimension. Well, you know, I think that's interesting because
1: ultimately I agree with you. But I, again, kind of going on this, like, we know where Willow's headed. And frankly, it's been a part of Willow since the moment that she started Witchcraft, basically. Um, but I it, it's hard not to also see it as a as a justification that Willow is creating. Oh, Because 100%. there's definitely an element too, where as much as. I 100% believe that Willow thinks that that is true. And, you know, she can either convinced herself or genuinely believes that that's true. But I, there, I have no doubt either that this is a challenge for her that she is happy to prove, you know? Like, as much as it's all these other things, she wants to prove that she's the one who can do this. Even yeah, if that's not I, her main motivation or the one that she's aware of. Yeah.
0: No, I think that that's not wrong because I think that you know, if they are worried that Buffy's in a hell dimension, there are probably spells that can reassure them of that either way. Right. Yeah. that's And good point. they're not even trying those. They're jumping right to trying to bring her back to life. And that's obviously a selfish concern because we see how hard it is for all of them to yeah. take down two vampires in the beginning, whereas Buffy would have had them dusted in no time. Right. And so, you know, selfishly to continue fighting evil they want to bring Buffy back but also there's that angle of they think they're doing her a favor right in this way and I'm assuming that had they gone through <coughs> with the spell they wouldn't have abandoned the gravesite right so right right I think they we would can have assume known. the rest of it was they were then going to dig her up but um right.
1: they get forwarded yeah a little. they've
0: clearly thought of all the angles but it's true that Willow might be less compelled to consider all the sides of this than well, otherwise yeah. because, one, she misses her friend. She thinks right. her friend might be in hell. And also, yeah, she very clearly is convinced that she can do this. And it's a it's the biggest test she's faced so far. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and we've seen with Willow, there's never something new that she's tried other than floating pencils that hasn't really worked the first time for her. You know, I right? Mean, she restored Angel's soul without right, right any prior experience. So, <laughs> yeah. I and think conducted that major spell at the end of lines. season four. Yeah. I, I And
1: I guess yeah. also to everybody else's, not really credit, but justification, like I, again, I don't doubt that Willow is really wants to save her friend and really misses her friend. But I think the other reason that everybody is so kind of easily convinced to go along with this is because they also really just emotionally miss Buffy and like as much as it was so hard to lose Joyce at least Dawn still had Buffy now Dawn having no one I think all of those things are real also emotional reasons for them to like I don't think if that were the only reason they could come up with they would still go through with this but I think that is really kind of clouding their judgment or maybe not even clouding their judgment it's just certainly weighing in on their decision yeah. It's also because they don't want the world to end and they know that they need Buffy and they know that Faith is still in jail and all these things. But I I mean, I wouldn't undersell how important it is to them that they also lost their, their very good friend who they really love and Buffy's, I mean, Dawn's um, sister and
0: yeah. And I guardian. think we can't understate how important this does appear to be to them. I mean, the spell right. that Willow does is... <laughs> Probably it the is. creepiest spell ever it done is. on the show. It and it's also very clearly no joke. Like, she's bargaining with the Egyptian god of the dead. Right, so, yeah. Um, well, yeah, which, and
1: I yeah, I always really, not enjoy, but I, I think it is well depicted, this scene where she has to kill a little deer to, like, get its blood. And she doesn't tell anyone that that's the thing that she has to do because she, I think, doesn't want to let on, you know, quite how dark um, and powerful this spell really is. But I, I really think that's a a great like visual depiction of a turning point for Willow.
0: Yeah, I mean, and honest, we see yeah. her <laughs> kind of heartbroken that she does that, but also resolved that that's what yeah, needs to be yeah.
1: Done. I mean, and I surprise- do find it
0: a bit strange that. Tara doesn't know what wine of the mother is, nor does she fully grasp Bothered how her. dark the spell should be. I, I mean, agree she with is that. the one who, during the spell, tells everybody to back off that Willow is going to be tested, and she's confronted with watching, you know, Willow, who she loves, mm-hmm. be sliced apart and have what look like beetles crawling under her and a snake mm-hmm. come out of her mouth. And Tara's the one saying, okay, not do anything, yeah. let her do this. But it's also a bit strange to me that Tara is not fully aware of what it is that they're doing.
1: I have to say, I think that is um, whether or not the show meant it this way, I think it does also play pretty well as like a willful willful ignorance though. I think that we haven't seen Tara get to her breaking point and you and I, again not to like get into major spoilers like we know that she is going to get to that point later this season that like this, she has, her and Willow have had this confrontation before but I think this As as much as this is a turning point for Willow, this is probably going to be a turning point for Tara, too. That, like, yeah, up until this point, she's been willing to defend Willow and to kind of turn a blind eye to some of the things that she probably knows she should have investigated but has chosen not to. Like, I don't doubt that Tara could have found that information if she wanted to, so I think it's also logical to assume that she didn't want to know.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a a totally fair reading of that because... That's really the only explanation. It it, it, is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, again, I, I said this in the kind of beginning, but like watching this episode, it's like, how could I have ever not known where this season was going? But I don't mean that as like, I don't mean to say that they're sloppy or stupid about it. I think that it is well, not well hidden, but it's like, I think it's just well developed kind of. At least that's how I well, feel right I, now. I'm sure I'll change it, it my mind is, later in the season, but...
0: Also, speaking of, like, willful ignorance, the first time you watch this, you're not thinking about where this is going and right, right of course you're just happy they found a way to bring Buffy back from the test. <laughs> it's
1: true. It's true. Oh, my God. They've made us the Scoopies. Yeah. We're,
0: we're, <laughs> we're willing to try bargaining as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, one question I have, though, about this use of the Buffy bot mm-hmm. and... Their, if they really want the world to think that Buffy is alive, which they clearly seem to be trying their hardest to do, did they bury Buffy in the cemetery? I or had she, that thought.
1: I mean, Alex like, also pointed that out. Like, where is that gravestone? It doesn't seem to yeah. be far from the cemetery.
0: I, because I would assume yeah. first of all they put her name on a headstone and her birth date so anyone who sees that could if yeah me could put it together and also I'm assuming that you have to have some sort of death certificate to bury someone in a cemetery you do and, and there's true. like
1: strict laws about how you can bury bury people it's a good question I guess uh, the best explanation that I could come up for for Alex when we were watching it was that like without running an obituary and without telling people about it I think they're just hoping that they can stave it off right I mean it now that we're really talking about it, then it doesn't make sense that Giles goes along with it, but for the rest of the Scoobies, I think once they've decided that they're going to bring Buffy back, it does kind of like it doesn't have to be a perfect solution for them to think like we just need to buy 30 well, 30 days. You know what I mean? Like they, how much time do they need to buy? I guess it was a few months, but that that seems reasonable to me that they think they can hold it off for that long rather than we think this is a long-term solution to the fact that Buffy's dead.
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring up Giles because it seems that the only thing he's really aware that they're trying to do with the Buffy bot is replace the slaying part, but right. I don't know that he's really aware that they're sending her to school with Dawn to try to pretend to be Buffy. Like right. maybe they didn't let Giles in on that part of the plan.
1: But then why would Giles leave not knowing that they hadn't told Buffy's dad and like leaving Dawn guardianless? Maybe he doesn't know that though. But who does he think is going to, I, I, I mean, again, not to get into this. Well, well, it's true. the, time What's to get into the it, guardian I,
0: that they're leaving Dawn with? Is that, and why
1: would Giles think it's okay to just leave at that point? Yeah. I just honestly, he is the most responsible. He's the most mature. He is the most seasoned of all of them. So for him to just leave Dawn without knowing who's caring for her, or or considering like, did they maybe they lied to him and they told him that they talked to her dad and he wasn't interested because it is you know honestly that's probably the well, outcome that would have happened.
0: But or does that go back to Giles? You know, having distanced himself, he is yeah. not Dawn's caretaker.
1: I don't know. I just I guess ultimately what I'm saying, and I've said this before, is that I just I hate that they write. I hate this plot line with Giles. And from everything I've read, it's because Anthony Stewart had didn't want to be around as much and he was less interested in being a full time um, actor on the show. So they have to come up with some kind of reason. But it always plays that way to me. It always really feels um, contrived to have a reason for him to leave. You know, especially maybe in this moment, it kind of makes sense. It makes sense to me that he's the watcher and his watcher, his slayer is dead and he's grieving and he doesn't want to be there anymore. But other than that, I think it's never really going to gel with me.
0: See, I don't agree with that because I think, you know, yes, his slayer is dead and. He might not want to stick around. But also in the past, he's been very clear that the only reason he's stayed is because Buffy asked him to still be her watcher. Buffy leans on him a little too much with Dawn after her mother's diet her mother dies, and Giles is very clear that he is not going to be Dawn's parental figure. And I think this is maybe seems harsh of Giles, but also to me, completely consistent with his past behavior of he might feel bad for Dawn and not know where she's going to, like, who's going to take care of her, but it's still not his job. She has a father. She has all these other people, and Giles might be ready to go live his life.
1: I mean, I, I understand all the things that you're saying. I just genuinely don't think that's what Giles would Do Based on my view, I know he says those things, but a lot of people say things because they think they're the right thing to say and not because they're really what they want to do in their heart kind of. So I I don't know. I mean,
0: I don't think we've had any evidence that Giles wouldn't be saying what's true.
1: I think he really does view Buffy differently than just a slayer. And I think to kind of assume that he can easily divorce himself from all of these people that he loves and cares for is not totally genuine.
0: But I, but I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that, like, I think he cares about these people, but he doesn't feel the same compulsion to be their caretakers the way he did for Buffy.
1: Maybe, but I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing, I think, to be like, oh, I cared about you, but not your kid. I I don't know. I just, that's fair. I, I. I'm glad that you don't feel the same way, but but it is the thing that always chafes me. I'm never going to be okay with the Giles or leaving Or maybe it's that he knows line. there's
0: this network for Dawn that he's leaving behind that it's okay. He's leaving her I and mean,
1: Willow and Tara, who are clearly making very irresponsible decisions. That like, he
0: is unaware of.
1: But it still seems crazy that he would just be like, okay, you two college students take care for her. They don't have any source of income. They're living in Buffy's house with kind of questionably, like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, this all falls apart. So... I guess that answers the question. If they're living in that house, I'm assuming they didn't file a certificate of death because. Right. Otherwise, how could they stay there? Like John's 14. She's not inheriting a house. Right, right, right. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, or yeah, I I agree. They obviously haven't filed filed for a death certificate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay.
1: (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) nor have they placed an obituary because then her dad would probably know. Yeah. Eh, Yeah. Maybe not. Only if you were looking.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing that really bothered me the m- even more about Giles' departure was the fact that they all just waltzed through security at the airport. This is uh
1: Well, I think that's still how it was, no?
0: I was thinking this was post 9-11, but... Uh,
1: it aired in October right. 2001, but I probably didn't film then and wasn't written okay. then.
0: Okay, that makes sense then. All right.
1: Yeah, this is like the last time you would see that on TV. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because I just was like, wait a second, you can't do that. Oh, I totally
1: was like, oh, well, I guess this was just pre-9-11 filmed.
0: <laughs> I guess I was, I guess that makes sense. They would have filmed this then right before. Right, so.
1: yeah. That makes yeah. sense.
0: Also, the fact that Giles' plane from Sunnydale is continuing to London, there's no way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That there's an no airport in Sunnydale at all and that they didn't just go to L.A. <laughs>
0: That it's not his flight to LA, that it's then continuing to London, (laughs) like all these people from Sunnydale are then continuing to London? No way. Yeah,
1: yeah, agreed. (laughs) Uh, So, what else about this episode? I thought there were obviously a lot of fun and funny details. Um, Well,
0: the Buffy butt is just a source of comedy.
1: Well... Actually, okay, so we should talk about the Buffy Bot because you're right that she is a source of comedy, but also she really guts me in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, so she starts with they'll put Marzipan in your pie place bingo as like a singer that they've tried to program into her, and that's hilarious. And then also somebody i what do they say to get her to set her off? But she like the you know, the first act break is her being like blah 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 who. So they've like somehow oh, set yeah. her up for it's a like joke. A joke. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> she like hasn't can't quite pick up on. Um yeah, but I mean, honestly the like scene where she's making all the sandwiches and that Dawn is just so sad that she's not her sister that I don't know, that really kills me.
0: Or that she brings her to school and she has like her Zoolander moment.
1: Yeah, wait, well, yeah, what Zoolander moment?
0: Where you know, like in the movie where he's like, Is this a school for ants? Oh. And then <laughs> Buffy the Buffy boss looking at this city of the future she's like, I don't understand who would live here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, but I—I I mean, I appreciate the. I forgot when we were watching season five. I was thinking like, oh yeah, that's right. They bring the Buffy bot back at the end, and I—it's w- not that I really forgot that she comes back in this season. I just wasn't thinking about it, so I was a little bit um, not caught off guard. But I—I I think they really effectively use her in this episode.
0: No, I mean she might serve a purpose of fooling people for now about the Slayer, mm-hmm. and she's a little more effective in a fight, but. Obviously, especially for Dawn and Spike, her presence is not exactly a comfort. comforting.
1: Yeah, well, it's I mean, really Dawn sad... actually does
0: kind of try to use her for right. comfort, right? But Spike does not enjoy having her around. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and she may- she really makes me sad. Because she's also, she's just so earnest, and she really wants, you know, it's clear that, like, her programming is, like, to do these things and to do them well, and that she kind of also constantly sees herself failing is also really heartbreaking. Like, it's also sad for her. Not that we're supposed to believe that she's, like, sentient, exactly, or human, or whatever, but
0: it it is still sad. It's sad from every angle. And funny. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, once she is found out, she's not exactly helpful. Right, right. You know. (laughs)
1: Yeah, in fact, she's the reason that the hell-raising demons find the Scoopies while they're performing their spell.
0: Right, because she's programmed to go find Willow when she's injured, Mm -hmm. which these demons have no problem injuring her. Yeah. You know, the demons, to me, are the least effective part of this episode. I agree. And I I think they only serve to create an obstacle.
1: No, I think they're just, yeah, I mean, they're an inconvenience their plot, but they point. don't make
0: a lot of sense, really. Like, they're at the bar when it's daylight. They're <laughs> yeah. riding around Sunnydale on their motorcycles, which isn't really very low profile. <laughs> for yeah, demons. yeah,
1: it is true. And honestly, how did it would make more sense for vamp, I think for vampires to be the foe in this particular circumstance. But whatever. I don't know. They don't okay. bother me, but I agree that they're not. I mean, they're by far not my favorite, and I, they're not memorable. I don't really remember them. No, um, I almost
0: forgot about them. Yeah.
1: I did uh, not hate the CGI at the very end. (laughs) The little reanimation of Buffy, I thought was kind of (laughs) cool. Maybe I was just in a stupor, but I thought it was like, oh, that was effective, you know? Maybe that's why I don't hate it, because it is kind of really showing us, like, what they've truly done.
0: Right, that Buffy's been underground long enough to look like that. To have
1: decayed, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um it's and, and that CGI is better than the snake. That it comes is. Out of it willow, is. So. I was
1: like, oh, is that the only first and only time I'll enjoy the CGI in Buffy? <laughs> I guess the dusting is usually fine, but other than yeah. that. But yeah. Um, I mean, I like this episode overall. I think it really it is a very first, se- you know, first episode of the season feel to it. You know, really, you know, obviously they're retreading things and they're setting things up. But I especially like we've hit on a bunch like I just think the willow the work that they're doing with willow is just um is great I think they're really setting the stage without being heavy-handed about it for like kind of where things are going and what the choices that they're all making are
0: no I think I think that's true and I think <clears throat> this episode in general sets the stage really well for other relationships as well mm-hmm. and, and things to come I mean we see um Xander and Anya talk a little right. bit about the fact that they've been hiding their engagement right because right Xander doesn't want to tell everyone and obviously their engagement and uh, wedding is going to be a source of tension mm-hmm. going on. And so this is kind of where maybe we kind of start to see that come into play. And also I think generally just this episode is a clear dividing line where, yes, Buffy died at the end of right. season five, but this one is where they're trying to f- pick up the pieces and put it back together. But from here on out, things are very different, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree you know, with that. even this doesn't go according to plan and I think we'll talk about as we see Buffy coming back doesn't exactly go according to plan and maybe not the happy ending that her friends might wish and so I think this sets that tone very nicely yeah yeah and I
1: mean I don't think that at any point either as much like like we've talked about they're they have good justifications for what they're doing but I also don't think the episode really shies away from the fact that they're being pretty foolish (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously the the rest of the consequences are going to air out over the next several episodes. But I, I I think they're doing a good job of it's it's not just like yes, we as viewers are happy that Buffy has a reason to come back, and I think that that's probably the feeling a lot of times the first time you see this. But I think, again, on our you know hundredth rewatch of this episode, it's very clear to me that they're they're not thinking it through.
0: No, and I'm very much looking forward to a scene that I know is coming up in an episode or two where Giles. Basically
1: yeah. Yeah. Tells Willow how stupid yeah. she is. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, you're right. Giles is still going to be good, even if I think he's stupid for leaving. <laughs> I do love Giles.
0: Huh. I did like um, Tara's little girl. Oh. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we've got the end of this next time. Mm-hmm. And now we could talk about Angel. Yeah. Um, who's also recovering from Buffy's death. True. Um, in heart Mm-hmm. which I had to look that up. I did not. Yeah. It's like, for a premiere this episode, I was like, what is this episode? Yeah, um, that's true.
1: I saw the name yeah. while we were watching it because I paused the episode at one point, and then I was like, oh, uh, I actually don't hate this title. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a fine one for Angel.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... We get a little bit of everything in this one. We get some flashbacks. We get some continuation. Um, So at the end of season two of Angel, he found out, obviously, that Buffy had died. Mm -hmm. And we open up in the hotel, and Angel is apparently not there, having gone to work through his grief with some monks, and although Gunn's advice was to go to Vegas, (laughs) and Fred is still there, and she's... um, still hold up in her room in the hotel she hasn't left the hotel and everyone's maybe not 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 understanding about this but maybe a little frustrated with Fred for not
1: yeah moving
0: on a little faster um meanwhile uh Cordelia and Gunn and Wesley are still trying to hold down the agency and the the battle fort. so you know Cordelia is still getting her visions and all of that um so Turns out the the monks that Angel was working through his grief with were demons, so he (laughs) kills them and returns back to L.A. (laughs) And pretty much right after he gets back, um, Cordelia gets a vision of vampires attacking a college party. So they all go, and they're too late, but they chase down the vampires in the car, and Angel kills the the leader of them, this blonde uh, woman. Mm -hmm. And takes her necklace and she, before she turns into dust, recognizes him as Angelus. So Mm -hmm. he figures out who she was and realizes that she might potentially have, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a great love Uh (laughs) that she had, like (laughs) a vampire who might come looking for revenge, Um, which he does. And um, he hunts down Angel and Cordelia on the subway Mm-hmm. Um, which I actually that was a nice reminder that LA has the subway. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but before it was he does that, though. he yeah <laughs> he has this procedure done to remove his heart. I'm assuming yeah or his ability was. to be staked. It was um, his heart. Yeah, yeah. And um, in the course of the fight, you know he mistakes Cordelia for Angel's girlfriend and tells Angel that he's going to kill the woman that he loves. Where Angel kind of says, you know, you you're too late. You can't do that. She's already dead. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's talking about Buffy Mm -hmm. and this guy, James dies. And because whatever procedure he had was like a temporary hold. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they come back to the hotel. Cordelia has a chat with Angel about working through his grief and, you know, saying, you know, she misses Buffy too, but they should talk about her. And, you know, it's okay. And Angel's kind of talking about how, you know, he thought Buffy dying would kill him and it didn't. And that's a good thing. You know, Mm he survived Buffy's death. And then, we see throughout this episode Cordelia having visions that they are getting really horrifically bad and, um, she's apparently, you know, my, like moved up to prescription pain meds and all of that. And she's come to the conclusion that these visions are possibly killing her. Um, mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> yeah. The stinger. <laughs> so we did see a flashback of Darla and angel with, James and Elizabeth, um, these two vampires, in the past. And we finally meet this man, Holtz, who we had first heard about when Angel got trapped in a barn Mm -hmm. by Darla. Holtz has tracked them down in France, and we see that he's hunting them. Um, And then, in the present day, we also see Darla, and she's pregnant. Yep. (laughs) So, that's that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I think, same thing, This, this, this is a scene setting premiere for, for sure. sure. We get a lot of threads that are. Yeah. Opened up for the season to come.
1: Yeah. And there was a lot that I liked about this episode. I think ultimately like you're right that like, I totally forgot about it.
0: <laughs> I think
1: they really try and make James a thing and like fetch. He's just not happening. Like I didn't care about him. I didn't care about his girlfriend. That's a little bit like of a kind of shove in way to make sure that we get a reminder about Darla. And then we have some flashbacks about Angel. Um, I liked the implication that, like, you know, you and I have talked a lot about how the many reasons why Angelus never really could love Darla, but, um, I kind of liked that aspect of the flashback where this other vampire was kind of telling him, like, you guys obviously don't really love each other because you don't know what it is and blah, blah, blah. But other than that, I found James to be pretty irritating. (laughs) yeah or not even really Especially irritating so much just, well. he's just yeah he it's not even that he was irritating he was just so boring i was just like you're so bleh. <laughs> but i liked the rest of this i like getting to see the gang back together always i liked seeing all the moments where they pal around i love cordelia in this episode i'm really happy about where she's going you know for the for now um and I really love seeing her and Angel's relationship blossom and kind of, like, everybody got to reunite in this episode, but in particular them having these kind of deeper one-on-one conversations about really important topics I think just really held together well for me.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I think their dynamic in this episode was really nice. Yeah, you know, I think it's really the you're not already out. kind of shipping them, then yeah. now that Buffy's dead, now the way you definitely are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, also I think, you know, he's not really... He's not really presented as important yet, but I think we need to mention Holtz at least as someone to look out for. I mean, um, we still don't know how Angel got out of that barn, right. but you know, this is now the second episode where Holtz has been a presence. So I don't think that's an accident.
1: Right. Um, yeah, shoot. I had another thought, but I, it flew out of my head. Um, I don't remember how he gets out of that barn. Is that a plot point down the line?
0: No, I don't know if it is. I was just oh, okay. I was like, oh, I they're going to finally explain it. And then Darla was like, oh, I left him in a barn. And then they yeah. never they never, um, finish that story. I I do want to oh. say that like, even Darla and Angel, I think, in the past, are kind of making a point to explain that love is for stupid people. Like, right? that's Whatever true. they have <laughs> isn't love, which is, to me, frustrating to see on the Coming after the whole arc of the previous season, where Darla was trying to convince Angel that what they had was love, and Mm -hmm. then to see her kind of, you know, dismissing it here is a little bit inconsistent.
1: I agree. Um, But actually, what I wanted to say is that I think what the show is doing well in this episode is essentially explaining and putting Angel on a path where he doesn't have to brood for this whole season because Buffy died. I mean, obviously, he's going to find out eventually that she's back from the dead, too. So that would kind of put a wrench in that as a plotline, anyway. But I all I'm trying to say is that we've watched him brood for two seasons and it has been very painful. And, to you know, to have these little glimmers of bright spots and in the first two seasons of like, wow, Angel sure is a show is a lot more fun when he's not the main, main character and he's not just moping constantly. I think that they did the right thing of kind of like bringing him back, acknowledging that he would obviously be dealing with a lot of grief about this, but also giving him a lot of opportunity to kind of move on and and let us as viewers also accept that he's moving on. I think that was the right move. You know, he's not even though he was grieving, he's not his mopey self in this episode at all.
0: No, I think that's a really good point to call out, because I think a lot of that even you could see at the end of the last episode where, you know, Angel goes through a really (laughs) traumatic experience in Pylea and comes out a little bit sunnier, you know, not only Mm -hmm. from literally being able to be in the sun, but also kind of has a new lease on this quest of his. And, you know, there's a very real danger that finding out that Buffy's dead is going to undo all of that. But Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that the show have us see Angel get over that, not not exactly get over her death, right, but, but deal move with on it. from yeah, her death. Yeah, and I think it's important that it happens before he finds out that she's not dead. I agree, because otherwise that kind of undercuts his progress. <laughs> but Agreed. I think it's yeah really a big deal that, like you said, you know he's not going to brood for the entire season. That yeah. there are some lighter moments. I mean, he actually I think smiles with Cordelia a little bit. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, well. It- yeah it's more interesting to watch him do that than just sulk with a book
1: i agree and i have to say that this episode did have a moment that i really loved which was i i guess it must not have been the final scene because the final scene must have been darla but um you know they defeat this guy they kill him and then everybody reconvenes in the hotel and then they like talk about how this other thing that they need to go kill and the four for now the four of them angel cordelia um gun and Wesley march off with their weapons and they just have this like shot of them looking like that just like with marching with resolve and that is for me I love when they end an episode that way which is to say that like we know the fight's not done this isn't about how they've defeated everything and they finally can rest it's more about like them just marching on all the time like I think that's my one Thing that I remember about Angel and remember really liking about Angel, and so like that they had kind of this like throwaway scene of them just like marching on with resolve, like really tugged at my little heart a little bit.
0: Oh, it's just because you like the final. Episode. I do. <laughs> I just love the finale.
1: <laughs> or I'm, in my memory, I do. At a minimum, I love the final scene, and I think that's yeah. not necessarily true for everybody. So I, it really, it really harkened to that for me, and I thought that was like a nice. Reminder, again, to me of my my tastes and preferences is that what I like about Angel is that they have a great team and that they're working really hard. And I, I love seeing that. So, yeah. So the main guy in this episode is fine. I could really leave him behind. I didn't care about him. I don't love Darla. I'm not happy that she's back, but whatever. You fine. We'll see how this plays out. Um,
0: but the team yeah, so dynamics were great. Speaking of Darla and especially speaking of Holtz, um, are you looking forward to this season? I have no idea
1: where the next three seasons begin and end. Like, I don't remember. I remember a few big plot points, but I have no idea which things start and end when. So I have no real feelings about this season, I guess, going into it.
0: I'm a little bit hesitant coming in because I remember liking some storylines that I'm not sure that I'm going to like on this watch through. And I know that there's a lot of frustration ahead and heartbreak. And I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how I'm going to handle this season.
1: Me too though. Because as far as I, I guess the thing for me, which I just talked about forever is I think it'll make a big difference to me if Angel's not brooding even if he's still dealing with Darla, if he's not really being this weird sad sack who's completely isolating him from all himself from all of his friends, I think I m- probably can handle a Darla storyline better. But I don't yeah, remember how I, it think, play- I don't remember how it plays out, so maybe not.
0: Yeah, I think aside from the brooding, this feels like one of the darker seasons of Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as dark as they went last season, I feel like this one is kind of the one where you really Interesting. realize they're not afraid to make things bleak. So I don't
1: remember that. So I, I mean, I'm curious to watch it. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic or pessimistic about it. I'm, I am curious. This is definitely I mean, where Angel gets hazy for me. I kind of remember the first two seasons better than I remember anything else, and even those weren't like solid in my memory.
0: See, I feel like this season is the one that sticks out the most in my memory. Hmm. That and the last one. So
1: yeah. I, I remember I think I remember most of what happens here I like I said I just don't remember where this season ends and next season starts exactly like I I know whatever whatever anyway
0: that's it that's what I have well you'll find out <laughs> yeah I will because we're gonna watch it <laughs> yeah at a
1: minimum I am excited that as much as well I've liked everything about Cordelia forever in angel for the most part and I think that I'm gonna continue to get that part fed so i'm excited about that i'm excited yeah, about. no cordelia. this is
0: definitely i think a standout season for cordelia mm-hmm. um starting with the next episode I yeah think. yeah so yeah i don't really have too much more to say about this episode though because i feel like it was a lot of people yeah, setting and not was. a whole lot that happened yeah i agree um i think i'll have more to say about fred when she ventures out of her room right, right yeah Although it did look like they were keeping her fed in tacos, so. Can't be <laughs> that's that
1: bad. sweet.
0: <laughs> okay, so next week we're going to finish bargaining mm-hmm. with part two, and then we have an episode of Angel called That Vision Thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm excited about so, that one.
0: Yeah, I'm <clears> assuming I think that's what I think it is. So. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any pop culture this week?
1: No, I feel like I should. I've been watching a lot of TV. Oh, you know what? I finally watched some of um, while we were um, visiting family for Christmas. We I finally uh, uh, Alex had watched the first season, but we watched some of the new mystery science theater 3000 and uh, in particular, one episode was just really great. I I have I had only ever seen one episode when I was in high school. Um, that like I watched with a guy I was like seeing and I really, I remember being like, oh my God, this is such a revelation. Like, what is this thing? And it's so bizarre and it's so weird and it's so funny. And then I never, you know, it was before like DVDs, you know, were a thing and it was really easy to track down stuff like that. Um, so I never really watched it again. And to be honest, I'd love to go back and watch more of the original, but the new one is still pretty funny. And they did a episode about, um, this movie called Mac and Me. Have you ever seen that or heard of it? It's like a really, really bad, um, E.T. ripoff. (laughs) So it's like a kid with a little alien friend and this alien friend loves Coke instead of loving Reese's Pieces. But like it, it is honestly one of the worst movies that's ever been made and their riffing on it was fantastic. But anyway, I mean, if you have any mild interest in Mystery Science Theater, I am now I'm excited to go back eventually and watch the first season that they did. There have been two on Netflix, um. With, you know, kind of like a new cast or whatever, but it was great. I liked that.
0: See, Mac and Me sounds like mac and cheese. It really does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does.
0: If you'll remember the show that Joey left to go do in L.A. after Friends. so. <laughs>
1: well, it's not about a robot and a detective in New York or whatever, but <laughs> it was laughably bad and they made me laugh at it even more than I would have on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was all. It's also just a really good, like, filler TV for me where it was, like, especially, you know, we were with Alex's family and it's, like, hard to find stuff that everybody can agree on. And not that everybody was on board for that, but it was a good, like, while we're waiting for things to happen or whatever, it was, like, a good, like, you can kind of put it on and pause it. You don't have to, like, follow the plot lines. You know, you do you do have to pay attention if you want to pick up on any of the jokes, but you don't have to, like you don't care about following the plot of the movies because the whole shtick is that they watch really awful movies. So it's not like you have to care about kind of what's happening. You just have to kind of know one or two throwback jokes. So I liked it. I think it was a good casual viewing. And Felicia Day is in it. So it's a little Buffy tie-in.
0: So speaking of Felicia Day. Okay, (laughs) weird. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, no, that was a great segue. I did not not think you were going to do this. (laughs) So I finally caught up on The Magician's.
1: Oh, oh, I have not watched that or read it.
0: I had only, I had read it, and then I'd only watched, I think, the first season and one episode of season two, and then for whatever reason, I just decided to finish the rest of it, and I just forgot how delightful that show is. Okay. It's irreverent and foul language and really funny uses of magic mm-hmm. and really interesting, and then the third season, though, I think was the best so far, where there's like a quest- and Felicia Day shows up. Um, but it was just, like, really where the show, I felt, like, really hit its stride. There's a great Buffy joke in the first season, okay. or the first episode of that season. So highly recommend, if you haven't watched it, that okay. you do it. I've been pretty um, hesitant still,
1: about that series, especially the books. So that's I interesting. I don't know. we will
0: say that I like the TV show better than the books. Okay. Um, they, they handle some arcs better than the books, and I think there's one arc in particular that they don't, but um, I think generally the tone of it is a lot lighter than the books. The books that makes were sense. a little depressive. I, so. I,
1: one time somebody described the books to me as like somebody who hates Harry Potter wrote this to like kind of prove a point, and that really put a bad taste in my mouth where it was just like, I get it, and I, I do really like people doing twists on things or exploring ideas in a different way, but something about that just really got me in a like, I think I won't enjoy that. Yeah. And I think... That's good. If there's, like, a delineation between the show and the books, maybe I would enjoy the show, if I, even if i probably not going to read the um, books, I mean.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely an element of the books where it's, like, grown-up Harry Potter and kind of trying to call out some of the stuff that <clears throat> maybe the author didn't like about Harry Potter. But also, I think what I really liked about the storyline also was it's clearly written by someone who's a fan of the Narnia books.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, interesting. And <laughs> I do so not I have that fan, feeling.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, so I think if you're a fan of those then these would the show especially would be really fun and then also um, it's kind of like Harry Potter if if Hogwarts was like a grad school. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're dealing with a lot of the same issues of like learning magic and relationships and all of that, but it's with adults. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And not that it's better, but it's an interesting angle. Yeah. Um but I th- I think you would like it. I don't know that you would like the books, but I'm you def- should definitely yeah, check out the I, show. Yeah. You've convinced me that I might Netflix, like the show. So.
1: I don't think I would I'm never going to read the books, I don't think. Just cuz it's not worth it to me to invest that kind of time in something that I Yeah,
0: ever. that's fair. The first book was the only one that I really really liked anyway, and there's 3 of them. Yeah. Um yeah, and then another show that I watched over the holidays that I thought was brilliant was this show called Dairy Girls.
1: Oh, okay. I keep seeing that recommended, but I haven't watched it.
0: Uh, you should 100% watch it. It's six episodes. They're like a half hour, so you'll blow right through yeah. it. I would definitely recommend you turn on the subtitles okay. because it takes place in Northern Ireland in the yeah. 90s, <laughs> and it is unfathomably difficult to understand yeah. sometimes. are like, are we speaking the same language? Because it doesn't yeah. sound like it. Um, it's just amazingly funny. Like, okay. I mean, it's also, like, there's kind of a background of, like, tension. It's, you know, it's Northern Ireland mm-hmm. in the 90s, so it's obviously a tense time. But um, it's just a bunch of 15-year-olds, like, getting into, like, a lot of trouble. And it's really mm-hmm. funny. Okay. So those are my two shows that I watched over the break.
1: All right. I like it. Yeah.
0: I think you'd like both. Okay. They're very different. But that's all I've got. Okay. So next time we've got bargaining and that vision thing... Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, until then, I'll talk to you later.
1: Well, oh, are you not going to...
0: Oh. Oh, my God. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) I forgot how we do this. Um,
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't have a good answer this week, though. Uh, Team Buffy, I I guess.
0: Team Cordelia. Okay. I like it. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is
1: from the album
0: Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast.
1: You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.